episode number 15 of the Non-Microwave Truth, a Time of Grace production. This is C.L. Whiteside. You are in the right place. You are in the right place. If this is your first time joining us, we start each episode off with a first world problem, a first world problem question. This is just something to get people thinking and for them to share their opinion and kind of think outside of the box. Now, with our first world problem today, I want you to think about this. In John 2, we see Jesus' first miracle, which is turning water into wine. Jesus turned water into wine because they ran out. And his mom came up to him like, hey, Jesus, Yeshua, you know they ran out. What you going to do about it? And it's just interesting to see Jesus' response. But the big thing that I want to look at is we know that Jesus turned water into wine. But something that was said about that wine is like, dang, this is some good wine. Because if you remember in John 2, the master of the banquet tried the wine and the wine was so good, he had to go find the the bridegroom and be like, hey, bro, what's up with y'all like y'all did this a little different usually people do the good wine first and then they come with the cheap wine but y'all did it the other way you saved the best until last and i know that bridegroom probably was thinking like man what is he talking about i told my wife not to get that five thousand dollar wine i'm just kidding but the first world problem question is this what kind of wine was it and what i mean by that is do you think it was red wine or white wine And when we hear from that master of the banquet, he talked about it being the best wine he had ever tasted. Does that mean it was the best from a smoothness and like the perfect alcohol content? Or does he mean like the best from from a flavor standpoint? Now, I'm going to share with you just an awesome, outside of the box, beautiful thought process that I read in this article. I think this article is by her name is Anna Val Dispenso. And they mentioned in this article that part of the miracle could be this. Part of the miracle could be whoever drinks the wine based off their palate and what they like and what they enjoy. That is what the wine tastes like or that's that that's their perfect wine for them. So for me, it would be some fruity. I'm not going to lie to you. Some of my friends make jokes and say I drink like a 21 year old lady. But hey, if I'm going to drink something, I want it to taste good. I know I'm a man already. I don't need any more hair on my chest. And I'm not drinking to get drunk anyways. I'm drinking for the flavor, for the taste, for the smoothness. But just think about how that will work. For each individual person, whatever they like the best, that would be the perfect wine for them. So for some people, it would be a Pinot Grigio, a Sauvignon Blanc, a Cab. I could keep listing wines, but hey, what would it be for you? So the first question is do you think it was red or white wine? And the second one is, what do you think that wine was? And you definitely can go with what you think is the best. And you could even tell me if you think, what do you think about that philosophy or theory that the wine tastes different to each and every person? Or was it just one universal wine that was just so good because it was just perfect? It was it was godly wine. And I definitely want to hear from my wine drinkers. And you don't have to be 21 years older to participate in guessing But if you're under 21, the only wine you better be drinking is that communion wine. Best believe. But yeah, I'm thinking something like Cooper's Hawk has this great wine called Passion Fruit. And then it has like this romance red that I like a lot. And then I'm thinking like a Moscato if it was all like mixed together and just delicious and good and sweet. 
I'm thinking something like that. But let me know what you're thinking. Instagram or Twitter, Champion Life 23. I want to hear from you. Let me know what you think. It's dinner time. I just want you to imagine that we're having dinner time at Pfizer Forum. And for those who aren't familiar with what in the world is that, that's the Milwaukee Bucks. That's where they, their arena, that's where they play. And if you were to come to Milwaukee right now, man, the energy in the city is on fire right now. Like Deer District is always lit. You go anywhere downtown, the energy is buzzing. The atmosphere is awesome. People are united. And this is not an episode to talk about basketball or to talk about sports, but it's just to look at where do we put our energy. And the title of this episode is How Much Energy. And with this episode, we're going to look at how much energy do we spend on certain things compared to to other things in our life. And I want you just to think about this. What excites you? Like what gets your blood flowing? What gets you what gets you excited? Is it a game? Is it a sporting event? Is it a concert? Is it a show or is it a really good movie? And I just want you to think about that. Get that thing in your head. Now, when you think about that, that game, that sporting event, that concert, that show, whatever it is, we usually pay for it. Like we usually take our hard earned money and we pay for it. Why is that? Is because we love to be entertained. But at the same time, we usually don't show the same excitement for church or for God's word. Or do you? Maybe I'm just talking to myself. I feel like I don't, but we justify this type of experience. Like the, the Milwaukee Bucks making it to the NBA championship. They made it to the NBA championship in 47 years. And we say, well, this is different. And that got me to thinking like, were or are people on fire for God like this? Like, if you're not from Milwaukee, and even if you are from Milwaukee, and you went down to Deer District, you would be amazed at like how many people are crowded, the atmosphere, the energy, the buzz, the unity. You would just be amazed that people, it, it could be raining. People still going to be out at Deer District having a good time. They're still going to be out there cheering on the bucks. It's something where a lot of people want to be around it because the energy is so awesome. And they just want to say, I was able to experience this. Now, the non-microwave truth of this is, though, if the Bucks win or lose, our lives and most of our lives, my life included, is going to remain the same. Like, I would never forget when LeBron James lost one of his NBA championships and he was salty. Like, he, he was in his feelings. But he was 100% accurate. And he pretty much said, whether I win or lose, some of you have to go back to your horrible or basic lives anyways. And that's just like, dang, that's true. If the Milwaukee Bucks win the NBA Finals, I just can't be like, hey, I'm not coming to work today because the Milwaukee Bucks won the NBA Finals. Or if I have to deal with a disgruntled parent and they're ticked off about something, I probably won't be able to go to them and say, hey, just calm down, calm down. You know the Milwaukee Bucks won the, the NBA championship. Like, that, that's not going to work. People really don't care and people are going to get over it pretty quick. So when LeBron experienced all that hate after he lost the NBA Finals, it just put so many things into perspective to be like, man, we spend a lot of time and energy watching sporting events, watching concerts, trying to be entertained. And 
our fascination with being entertained doesn't change our life. It just this is just how we spend a lot of our time and a lot of our energy. But is that good? Like, is that smart? And I heard a sermon this past week from Pastor Hine from St. Marcus. And he, he summed it up kind of by saying for us Christians, we aren't shocked by God's love anymore. Like we aren't shocked in comprehending how much God has loved us and how much he has given for us. And we usually aren't. And even if we feel like we are, it's still so easy for us to want to identify with something like, let's say the Bucks. And, and why is that? It's because it's easy. It's cool. It's uniting right now. Like we have no problem wearing a Giannis jersey to church with Giannis on the, the back, but we don't want to wear Christ on the front. Like you wear a Bucks and a Packers shirt to church or whatever your team is. Some of you like, I hate the Packers. I'm from Chicago. I'm a Bears fan. Oh, uh, poor you. I mean, I do feel sorry for you, but let me just stop. But yeah, we'll wear some of this sports stuff to church because it helps us unify in some cases based off where we live. And it becomes like us. It's like how we identify ourselves. We feel like we are them. Like you ever heard somebody talk about their team and they say like, we won like we as in the Bucks. And it's like, boy, you're not on the team. But I know what they mean. We all do this at times. And it's especially exciting to do that in a time of success and when people are winning. But when you look at God, like following God isn't always going to be uniting us. And in fact, in Luke 12, he said, do you think I came to bring peace on earth? Nah, I tell you, but division. They will be divided. Father against son and son against mother. Mother against daughter and daughter against mother. Mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. We don't want this. Like we have enough division in our world, but there are some times and that's the awesome thing about sports and certain entertainment that it, it unifies us. And sometimes we just want to be unified. But check this out. I'm going to give you a scenario where I think you wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind sticking out like a sore thumb and being different. Let's say Giannis. Giannis bought you a mansion. Giannis is the best player on the Milwaukee Bucks, just in case you didn't know that. And he also took care of your medical bills and he also paid off your student loan debt. And he also set you up with the perfect person. And on top of this, he flew you out to Phoenix. He flew you out to Phoenix and he paid for everything. Would you not act a fool and cheer just crazy loud and be overcome with joy and happiness? Like you would have no problem going to the Phoenix Sun Arena and being that obnoxious, loud, crazy fan. You would take pride in being different. You'd be excited to be different. Like your energy would be overflowing because you've won in life. Like all that stuff he did, that's that's the winning part that I'm talking about. And you actually have a chance to win that game. Like you could be the only Bucks fan around thousands of hostile Phoenix Suns fans. And you wouldn't care because you'd be like, hey, I'm going to support my guy Giannis. Giannis has done a lot for me. I rock with Giannis. Like that's my guy. That's my MVP. And very few of us will even have shame or have to think twice about doing this. Now, that scenario that I painted, that has not happened for a single Bucks fan. But I can guarantee you that there are still tons of Bucks fans who scream and shout and yell and are overwhelmed and excited and just filled with joy because of the Bucks being in the NBA Finals. Now, going back to that scenario, what we have to think about is we have something better. We have something way better than all that stuff I listed with Giannis doing for a particular fan. But again, we aren't shocked or overcome with joy. 
we literally forget and take for granted all of the love that God has shown for us. We take for granted all of the wins that God has given us. So if we don't think about all the things that God has done for us or we forget or we just take it for granted, like we're not going to put a lot of energy into that. And you can't be a fan of God if you don't really grasp and dwell on what he's done for you and does for you. Like he died, like took a bullet for you. And you can't be a fan if you don't think your fate would be okay otherwise. Like even someone who doesn't like a sport would be a fan of of Giannis if he took away their debt, set them up with the perfect person, or like literally saved them from from a horrible death. Christ does that and more for you and me. But like we can't be a fan if we don't know and think his death actually mattered though. Like start looking into Yeshua, start looking into Jesus and his death and his resurrection and what that means for you and how that's a trade in place, a reconciliation that you can't make up on your own, baby. Like you, you just can't do it. So on this episode of How Much Energy, there are usually opposite ends of the spectrum when you look specifically at the church. Like on one end, you have a church where people might be screaming and dancing, maybe even running in the aisle, talking in tongues. And then you have another or opposite end of the spectrum where it's silent. It's stand up, sit down. Half the people look like they're going to sleep. So what's right? What's wrong? I, I think you can't say either one is right or wrong. Or, and I would say neither. But I would say this. How do you show support and love for other things? And do you consider yourself a fan of God? Do you consider yourself a fan of God? Now, I had to think about myself when I'm coaching, because when I'm coaching, I'm obviously a fan of all of my players. But in those situations, I don't want to get too emotional because I like to chill. I like to breathe and I like to to focus, especially in those intense moments. But I do like to celebrate when I see somebody get dunked on or one of my boys get high and hit some threes. I'm definitely going to show support and love. And then I compare that to church and I guess my church behavior or how I am in church. And I say I could wear my emotions on my sleeve a little more. And some of you might ask why. It's because sometimes like I literally just sit there and I'm just like, man, I'm blessed. Like, like, seriously, I am blessed and I don't deserve this. And then this also comes in my mind. It's like, man, should I should I act a fool more? Like, should I show more excitement for God so people can ask me like, hey, bro, why, why are you so excited? And I just think about how much energy should I put into showing it? But then I'm also the same type of person that if I'm sitting there playing spades and I got seven books in my hand, I can just sit there and you won't even know unless you're talking crazy. Then I'm gonna let you know that I got a great hand. Or if if I hit the lottery, I don't think anybody would know. I'm keeping that to myself. Or but if someone did something for me, I would definitely get more excited and feel obligated to to tell or to show that excitement or put that energy out there. Now, in this episode of How Much Energy, I want you to think about what your church does or or your ideal church. So we all have an ideal church in our mind. If your ideal church shows a lot of energy, would you be okay if it showed less energy? Would you be okay with that or would you be looking at the people like, "Mm -mm, these people don't love God like I do? And vice versa, if your church is, is quiet and you like it to be more focused, would you be OK if people show more excitement and they put more energy into praise in God and their praise is something that you could actually see and hear? Would you be looking at them like, nope, they're just doing that for attention? Nope, don't do that here. Go somewhere else. 
And that makes me think about the people who say, like, if this happens, then I'll do that. Like, if this happens, I'll show more excitement or I'll show less excitement. And in Milwaukee, we got this dude who's a rapper. He's, he's a grown man. He does like this, this banging thing. Banging is a Milwaukee thing, but he makes like a little bit of twerking in it. And it's, it's a dance, though. And I saw somebody say, if the Bucks win, they're going to do that dance. Now, no. Most men in Milwaukee do not do this dance like that either, if you're wondering. But my point is how some people will respond if they knew what Yeshua, Jesus did for them and understood the, the love that the father has for them and how much the father loves them so much that he gave up his perfect son, which is way more impressive than, let's say, somebody gave up front row seats to the NBA championship and way more impressive than Milwaukee winning the NBA championship. Now, on this episode of How Much Energy, I want to look at different types of energy and excitement that we, we see in the Bible. And the first one is like this focus energy. Now, the focus type of energy that I want to talk about is in Luke 2, verses 25 to 38. And this is Simeon and Anna. And this is the type of focus and energy that's just off the charts where they knew a Messiah was coming. And every day they would spend time at the temple. It says that Anna never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. And we as Milwaukee Bucks fans think we've been waiting a long time for a championship. This woman was waiting for real waiting, just waiting, waiting, fasting and praying every single day. That's a different type of focus energy. And another type of focus energy that we see, and I do this from time to time when I get to coaching and I'm like in the process of doing something, I'm so focused that I forget to eat. You see this in Mark 6, and this is Jesus feeding the 5,000, where the people saw something that was so important. They saw Christ, and they realized the importance of dropping everything they were doing and following him, like forget eating. A lot of us can't go without eating a meal, and we're like, well, I don't have any energy if I don't eat. But they were ready to eat on the spiritual food that Christ was giving them. He was giving them the non-microwave truth and they were able to have the focus and energy. And that's the reason why the feeding of the 5,000 came about, because they dropped everything they were doing and they followed him. They said, forget my, my earthly appetite. I need to get this spiritual appetite in order. And that's crazy because some of us can't go without one meal or we getting angry, hangry. Another type of energy I want to look at is just when you can't keep quiet for God. Like in Mark 7, Jesus healing the deaf man. He couldn't keep quiet. Or in Matthew 9, when he heals the two blind men and they go tell everyone. Or in Luke 18, when they're shouting for Jesus and the disciples are like, hey, be quiet. Or people are telling him, be quiet. And they just can't do it because they're overwhelmed. They understand this is something that they need. Their spirit is yearning for them. The spirit is telling them, this is God. And you better call on him because he has what you really need. And he's going to give it to you. He wants to give it to you. And the other type of, of energy is like when you're just overwhelmed with, with joy and contentment and just understanding how blessed you are. And I think we see that in 2 Samuel 6 when David is dancing, like David is dancing before God because he's filled up with joy. He understands what God has done for him. He understands how blessed he is and more importantly, how undeserving he is. We get this notion in our head that like I work for what I got, but you can't even work if God doesn't allow you to. Like we don't deserve anything. Everything we have is because of the grace of God. Okay, I got this other point that I have to make too, and I think it's important though. And I think I, I get I got sparked by this from watching the game with my wife. Like she knows a little bit about basketball, but she doesn't know that a lot. She asks so many questions. 
I'd be like, babe, you got to stop asking me so many questions. But then when I think about something for myself that I can see that's excellent or great, like a musical, I'm not really into musicals or anything, but I would have a, I would have questions. And I think we need to take that same energy with God's word. And when you're hearing a sermon or when you're in God's words, you're going to have energy, especially when you want to become a fan. You need to write down those questions and explore and see what the answer is, maybe from a pastor, for someone who knows the, the word even more in depth or even just doing your own research. But keep that same energy for God's word as you do for other things. And something I just want all of us to be aware of is you don't want to deny the Holy Spirit wanting to motivate you to channel your energy differently. And in fact, pray for the Holy Spirit to motivate and push you to have energy in the right things and show your love for Yah. That's God. And just keep your eyes open to realizing that the things we are fans of usually deal with how much they entertain us. For some of us, we feel like it's it's ours or it represents us. For some, it's because of like what they have done or provided for us. For some, it's because just flat out the excellence and the greatness that we can see in it. But you can be shocked at how entertaining the Bible is. Like the Bible can be super entertaining, especially if it's broken down the right way. And when you get to know God, you'll know he's yours and he represents you. And when you realize what he's done for you and he does for you, you will be amazed at how much he's done for you and to what extent he's done for you and he's done for me. And that extent goes to death. And that's the ultimate price. And you can add on top of that that he didn't deserve it. And we deserve all of the bad stuff. We deserved all of the heat. We deserved all of the smoke. But he did it so we can have everything. And that's just one of those things where I'm enamored by his love and his compassion for you and his compassion for me. And how much energy are you putting into stuff that really doesn't matter? And in fact, it might even cost you. And it won't change the course of your life. Like if the Bucks win or lose the NBA championship, I'm still a sinner who needs a savior. I'm still a soul with a purpose. I'm still a man who can identify with something that's greater than anything of this world that I identify with. Now think about this. If you call yourself a Christian, how are you channeling your energy? Are you exerting your energy in return for attention? Like you see those crazy fans in below zero weather and no shirt on. A lot of time that deals with attention and them wanting to be seen on TV. Are you like that in church though? And then on the other hand, have you forgotten about the gift of Christ and been suppressing the joy of salvation and undeserved forgiveness and life everlasting? Have you been doing that? Be shocked, though. Be shocked by God's mercy. Meditate on it every day. Take time to just think about the amazingness of it. It's crazy. Like it's uncomprehensible love and grace and mercy. And there are different type of energy we can channel to give God glory. But that only comes from following him, from focusing on him, from calling on him, from realizing what he's done for us. Be a fan for God. How much energy? And I guess that question shouldn't be personally focused. Instead, we should look at how much energy God has put into each one of us. And this is the non-microwave truth. A Time of Grace production. Don't forget to hit the five star and even write a review. Take a little energy and share this with one friend. That's all I'm asking. Just share it with one person, one friend. And hopefully next time you hear this, we'll be able to talk about the Bucks winning the NBA championship. 
Peace punch, Captain Crunch. Say no to drugs and yes to Jesus. I'm out.